Thank you, Bill. Orchestra and choir and ensemble for taking us before the Father this morning. If your heart has not been stirred today, then I want to encourage you to get along with God until it gets stirred. Until the Lord can get your attention and tell you how much He has in store for you if you'll only open up and receive what He has for you. Back in the 60s when the music, the sound of music came out, it hit the nation of Korea and was phenomenally popular, filling up movie theaters around the country. One particular movie theater manager saw that the crowds were coming in and every seat was filled and he wanted to figure out a way how he could get more people in to see the sound of music. So one night after the last show, he went in and he edited out all the music. Then he could show it three more times a day. The problem is, if you take the music out of the sound of music, you don't have the sound of music. You've cut the heart out of it. You've cut the essence out of it. And if you take personal time with God and personal fellowship with God out of your daily experience, you cut the heart out of your Christian faith. You cut the heart out of your walk, out of what God wants you to be and what God wants you to have. It is that time alone with God that gives us the ability to come and worship God in a place like this. It's not just coming and singing songs. It's what we've done to prepare our hearts to sing those songs. It is not just coming and filling out the notes and taking notes and saying that was a good point. It is knowing that behind all of that we have on our own been studying God's Word and seeing what God has to say to us. The problem is, for most of us as Christians, we are so busy with church busyness that we don't do the business of the Christian. We get so busy coming and going and doing that we forget about being who we're supposed to be in Christ and what we're supposed to be in Christ and we forget it or we neglect it or we think we can coast on it. There's an account in Luke chapter 10 of an incident in the life of Jesus. It's the only gospel that records this account and it tells me something about worship. We're in the middle of a series on worship where there have been about uh, five or six weeks that we've been talking about worship and what it means to worship the Lord. And as I read this passage, I realized that worship is not complicated if it begins in the heart, if it begins personally before it ever becomes corporate. And so I want us to look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 because this is where we complicate our lives. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary for moreover was, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, really only one for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. A.W. Tozer said that true worship seeks union 
with its beloved and an active effort to close the gap between the heart and the God it adores is worship at its best. Now here's Martha. She has welcomed the Lord into her house. She's dusted. She's clean. She's prepared. Everything's ready for the Lord to come. Come on in, Lord. Come sit down at the table. Come fellowship. Come spend time with us. And then she goes into the kitchen to make preparations. Somewhere along the line, oh, Martha looks around and she says, where's Mary? Where's Mary? Where's Mary? Dead gum at that sister of mine. I can't ever get her to do what she's supposed to do. I give her a list. I tell her what she's supposed to do. All I asked was for her to fix the mashed potatoes, put the pie on the table, get the forks and spoons out, and she's gone. Where is she? So she bursts through the kitchen door and she sizes up the situation. Here are all the disciples and Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus and Jesus is talking. And Martha's in there by herself just as sweating and ranting and raving. She bursts in and she says, Lord, Lord, do you know what's going on here? Lord, you see my sister right there? You tell her to get up and come into the kitchen right now and help me. Lord, don't you care that it's hot in that kitchen? Don't you care that I got things on every burner? I got stuff in the oven. I got things in the refrigerator that need to come out. I got ice that needs to go into tea glasses. Don't you care? Now you tell my sister to get up. She's lazy. She's sorry. She never has been any help around the house. You tell her to get up right now and come help me in the kitchen now. Now can you imagine? This woman invites the Lord into her house and she rebukes him that he doesn't know what's going on? Lord, you don't know what's going on, so I'm here to tell you. I'm busy serving, and she's busy sitting, and I want her to be serving. And she comes and she rebukes God, and she gives him an order. Now, now here's a woman who is a doer. I mean, you can never say that she was, a, she was not a doer. Martha was a doer. She was the kind of person that you want on a committee in a church. Because she's always going to do something for you. I mean, just leave it, leave it in their hands. They're doers. They'll get it done. And she's the kind of woman that would never go to bed at night with a dirty fork in the sink. I mean, God forbid that there'd be a plate or a fork sitting out. You know, she's going to pick up everything. In case Jesus comes, he wants the house to be clean. You know, so she's going she's to pick up everything. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus responds to her and what he doesn't do. Jesus doesn't say, Mary... Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Look at your poor sister out there. She's sweating. She didn't even use sure this morning. And she's just sweating and she's got all that food prepared and you're not helping her one bit. Now get up out of here and go help. This is a conversation. You're not even supposed to be here in the first place. Did you notice what he didn't say to Martha? <laughs> he didn't say, Martha, I want to commend you on getting your recipe in the church cookbook. He didn't say to her, Martha... Boy, I tell you what, you are so busy, and I just want to congratulate you that you're so busy for me. He didn't say, hey, guys, disciples, listen up, listen up. You see, Martha, man, she's going the second mile. She's making the second effort. Let's stand up and give Martha a hand for all that she's doing in preparing the food. Let's give her a hand and clap for her. Hey, way to go, Martha. Thank you for working in the kitchen. Now get back there and finish the meal. He said, Martha, Martha, you are so distracted. Verse 41, you are worried and bothered 
about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. You see, Jesus said to her, Martha, chill out. Cool your jets. Don't be so uptight. I don't want your duty. I want your delight. I don't want the work of your hands. I want the gift of your heart. I want you, not the stuff you can do for me. You see, being right with God comes before working for God. But here's Martha, and I mean the music's just gone out of her life. She's cut it out. She doesn't have time to spend with God. She's got a meal to prepare. She does not have time to fellowship with God. She's busy doing things for God. And he says to her, you are worried and bothered. Now guess what? That's not a compliment. You're worried and bothered about so many things. What he means by that is you ought not to be so worried and you ought not to be so hot and bothered about so much. There's only one thing that's necessary here. There's only one thing that's important. Now, he tells us what we need to do to uncomplicate our lives because here's Mary sitting at his feet. Now, he doesn't say to Mary, hey, you better work for the night is coming. He doesn't say to her, you know, you're a little bit lazy, Mary. Your sister's doing all the work. No, he commends her. Why? Because Mary is concentrating on her position before the Lord. Martha is concerned about her performance before the Lord. You see, Martha's busy. Mary's busy. But Martha is busy doing. Mary is busy absorbing. She's listening to the words of God. Martha's so concerned about her performance. Mary is concentrating on her position. And it apparently never entered the mind of Martha that she could do a lot of things before Jesus came and she could do things after he left the house, but she didn't need to worry about some things while he was there. Notice that he uses the word distracted. That word only appears here in the New Testament. It means to be preoccupied, to be torn in different directions, to be pulled apart. Martha was pulled apart. I mean, she's sitting there going, you know, boy, I... What, what was that the Lord said? Well, I don't have time to listen. I've I got to get the, the bread out of the oven. Uh, well, he, he, he said something about loving me with all, all my heart. Well, I, I don't have time for that. I've got to stir the beans. She was distracted. She was pulled apart. She knew where she needed to be, but she was so busy where she was, she wasn't where she needed to be. And she was complicating her life. Now, listen. Sitting must always precede serving. It must always precede serving. And there is a time to meditate that comes before a time to minister. How do you uncomplicate your life? Well, Mary gives us insight into this through the Lord. First of all, through lowliness, verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. And the word seated implies a position of devotion and of submission she was seated at the feet of Jesus. It was a, a posture of devotion. She made a choice to humble herself. Now, sitting implies three things. First of all, it implies reception. She received the Lord not only into her home. Martha welcomed him into her home. 
but Mary received him into her heart. There was reception. There was devotion. She was not there to debate him or to discuss with him. She was there to listen to him. And then there was submission. She subjected herself to his authority and to his word. She took the place of lowliness at the feet of Jesus. Then there was listening, and she was listening to the Lord's word. Joseph Carroll says, We were created to worship Jesus Christ. We were created for him, to become something to him, in order that he might find pleasure in us. Boy, we, we complicate our lives. We clutter our lives up so much. I mean, we really do. And we get so inconsistent in our lives with God. We get so cluttered up. And we get confused and we get distracted. We're always waiting for some other event to come along. You see, listening to the Lord means that you're giving Him your undivided attention. That you're focusing on what He's saying to you. You see, what happens to us is we are caught up in event mentality. We, we wait for a camp or a disciple now or a retreat or a Bible conference or a, a church concert or some big program. We wait for something to get us motivated and pumped up for God. You know, I'm kind of dragging. Oh, I tell you what, it's been, been a hard spring. I tell you, I hope they do something big at the church to get me jacked up for Jesus this week because I don't know if I can make it through the month of June without it. Oh, I hope somebody does something big that gets me excited, gets all my rockets burning on all things. I just, oh, Lord, get me excited. And we look for events and moments and stuff. You know why? Because that's what you have to have on a roller coaster. You have to have momentum to keep pushing you up so you can go like that down and up and down the mountain unless you're constantly being fueled from within. You see, you and I need to sit at the feet of Jesus and then we don't have to wait for some big event to get us excited about the Lord. We're already excited about the Lord. And it's just like gravy when the big event comes. She was listening to the Lord. She was loving the Lord. Mary has chosen the good part. She has chosen the good part. Now, I got to thinking about this and, and I thought about the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul never wrote and said, and, and, and this surprised me because I thought Paul had been president of the Southern Baptist Convention one time, and Paul never wrote and said, I want you to support the Lottie Moon foreign mission offering. He never said, if you're a good Christian, you'll give to home missions. Paul never said, come back to church on Sunday night. Paul never said, you don't want to miss prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Paul never said, we've got to get something to motivate people to do what they're supposed to do. You see, Paul said, I want to win Christ and I want to know Christ. You never see Paul saying, now by the way, when you really get involved in church, you'll want to be serving on a few committees. Paul never said any of that. You, you would think Paul would have written some more how-tos and you would think Paul would have said some more about things we ought to be doing. And then it dawned on me 
You see, if somebody's always got to be pumping you up to give to missions, to come to prayer meeting, to come to church, to serve the church, if somebody's got to be pumping you up all the time to get you in the doors and to get you doing something, you don't have a leg problem, you've got a heart problem. You see, my legs go where my heart tells them to go. My hands do what my heart and mind tells them to do. If I'm having to be coerced and begged to do something, it's a heart problem. I just haven't chosen the good parts yet. I'm choosing a bunch of parts, but I'm eating some gristled up old ground beef, and I'm not eating the prime cut of meat that God wants me to have. I'm not taking from Him. And you see there's a banner in our choir room. You ought to walk through it one day. It says, our motivation for service is our love for Jesus. You know what that means? It means our motivation for service is not so we're on TV. It doesn't say our motivation for service is so people will see me and tell me they saw me. Our motivation for service is our love for Jesus. Exclamation point. Period. Done deal. That's it. That's all that matters. By the way, if you're serving Jesus for any other reason than love, it's not serving Jesus, it's serving yourself. So that people can see you serving and think you're serving Jesus. But you see, sitting precedes serving. Now, where do we find what we really need? Look at verse 40. Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Verse 41, Martha, Martha... You are worried and bothered. One of the few times in all of Scripture that somebody, their name is repeated twice, it's kind of like talking to your children. Martha, Martha, I want you know, you have to use your sanctified imagination, folks, when you're reading the Bible. This is not just some some words put down. This This is an account of real events. And Jesus said, Martha, hey, Martha, Martha, hey, Martha, shut up, Martha. You're worried and bothered. You're all hot and flustered. You're aggravated. Martha, Martha, Martha. Hey, Martha. Cool it. Get over it, Martha. It's about me, Martha. It's not about you. Whoa. Uh, Martha, church is about me. It's not about you. Uh, Martha, Martha, serving is about me, it's not about you. And you need to do a little more sitting. Now Mary here, oh Mary, Mary's chosen the best part. Uh, Martha, since you're worried about the kitchen, I'm going to use a culinary term. I'm going to use some kitchen talk to get your attention. When he says, Mary has chosen the good part, it's a culinary term that means the choice morsel, the prime cut of steak. Mary's chosen the very best part. There are only a few things needful, but boy, when you get right down to it, there's only one thing, and she has chosen it. She has picked it out. The word chosen implies the rejection of what is not chosen. And what she has will not be taken away from her. Now, notice, Mary has chosen the good part. 
I love that. We, we always tease uh, David Smith, who's on our staff, we always tease David about wanting to get lobster on Stafford Tree. And, and so we were on Stafford Tree, and so we said, David, get lobster. Go ahead, go ahead and get some lobster. Well, this particular Stafford Tree, they only had live lobster. David wants some dead for some reason. And you know what happens when you get live lobster? You go to a tank, and you look at these little lobsters sitting there, and they got their little claws all clipped together, and, and they're, they're kind of moving around in there, and you go and you say, hmm. I want that one. And all the other lobsters are going, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but you see what you do when you choose one out of five or six, you're making a choice of the best part and you're rejecting the other. You're saying to those other ones, no, I don't want you, I want you. Lord, I, I don't want positions. I don't want honor. I don't want praise. I don't want recognition. I just want you. That's all I want. Lord, I just want to sit at your feet. I want to abide with you, and I want to become like you. As I prayed and studied over this passage this week, I, I wondered why it is that nothing seems to stick and work in so many Christians' lives. And I came across a statement that summarized it. It is because we are guilty of worshiping our work, working at our play, and playing at our worship. Worshiping our work, working at our play, and playing at our worship. There's a statement there that you need to see. Jesus may be pleased with our service, but he is only greatly pleased with our submission. Now, how do we get the best part? We get the best part by a deliberate act. I have chosen the good part. I've chosen the good part, and by a devoted attitude. A deliberate act and a devoted attitude. Here's what that means. That means that you and I have got to come to the point where we say, Lord... I've got business responsibilities. I've got personal responsibilities. I've got family responsibilities. I've got responsibilities as a husband, as a wife, as a child. I've got parental responsibilities. I've got church. I've got all these kind of things. But, Lord, I have no responsibility more important than my responsibility to sit at your feet. The phone calls may not get returned. The ball practice may not be made. I may not get to watch the evening news. I may not get to read all the sections of the paper that I enjoy, but I won't miss you. I'm not going to miss my time with you. I'm going to spend time with you. You see, what Jesus wants out of me is not better sermons. He wants a better person. God doesn't really care if I prepare the finest expositional studies in all the world if I haven't spent time with Him. 
God doesn't care if we dress up and if we teach two Sunday school classes and serve an extended session and work security and serve as an usher and sing in the choir and do 10,000 other things and when we die, everybody says, boy, how are we going to live without them? God doesn't care about all that if it was bathed in flesh and not a motivation of sitting at his feet. I quote, I don't remember it exactly, it's in your notes, by Manly Beasley. Times when I thought God was speaking to me. But when God did speak to me, I didn't think it. I knew it. Church, church, listen. Church, church, hey, church, church. You're so bothered and worried and distracted by so many things. Church, church, my church whom I died for, my church that I love, church, choose the best part. Choose the best part. Don't give your life to doing things with your hands for me and never really give me your heart. Choose the best part, church. Choose the best part, Christian. Because it won't matter when you die if they say to your kids, your daddy was a deacon. Your daddy was a good Sunday school teacher. Your daddy was a good preacher. If they don't know your daddy loved Jesus because he spent time with him. Church, pastor, staff, deacons, Sunday school teachers were distracted, pulled apart by too many things. Only a few things necessary. Really only one. And if the song's been cut out of your life, it's been cut out because you thought you needed more time to do things. But what you needed was time to choose the best part and to sit at the feet of Jesus. Worship's not complicated, folks. It's just you and Jesus falling in love with one another until nothing else takes priority over that. That's all it is. That's all it is. Would you pray with me, please? I want to ask you to be honest. This is church. This is the Lord's house, a place we ought to be honest. In a moment, the ensemble, Bill is going to sing sitting at his feet. I want to ask you a question. How many of you would be honest enough to say, now don't lie, the Lord already knows the answer to this. How many of you would be honest enough to say, I've got time for everything in the world. <laughs> I, I, I read what I want to read. I do what I want to do. I go where I want to go. But quite honestly, as I sit here this morning, I know that I do not have a daily, consistent time alone at the feet of Jesus. I know. It's hit and miss. It's sporadic. I may do it for a week, not do it for two weeks. 
I may do it on Monday and forget it until Friday. And I come to church drained and empty because I know in my heart I'm not spending time every day with the Lord Jesus like I'm supposed to be spending time. I'm not talking about an hour or three hours. I'm, I'm not talking about time. I'm talking about devotion. It may be five minutes for you. It may be 15. It may be 30 minutes. It may be an hour. That's between you and the Lord. But are you spending time with God? How many of you would say, I am not. I know I'm not. Spending time with Jesus every day like I'm supposed to. Would you just lift your hand and just hold it there? Now, folks, guess what? The enemy knows that. And he's going to keep you distracted with many things, even good things, as long as you don't choose the best things. You won't bother him at all. Now, in a moment, this altar is going to be open. Our staff members are going to be here at the front to receive you. If you want to come to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to come to be a part of this church family and to talk with a counselor, but let me tell you what the altar is open for today. In the early service, 80% of the people in that room raised their hand and said, I'm not having a consistent time with God. Guess what, folks? You won't even reach your neighbor or your own children, much less a city, if we're not spending time with God. This altar is open for you to get up from where you are and to come and to kneel and to sit at the feet of Jesus and to put a crown on his head and say, Lord, I crown you King of kings. I crown you Lord of lords. I sit at your feet in a position of submission and reverence and reception and devotion and I want to receive from you. Now here's all I'm asking, okay? I'm not asking you to sign up for the next 10 years. I'm asking you, if you're willing to say, you raised your hand and you said, I'm not having a consistent time with God. If you're willing to say, Lord, I'm going to adjust my schedule this week and I'm going to this week, the next seven days, that's all we're talking about, for the next seven days, I am going to make every effort to change my calendar, to turn off the TV, to do whatever I've got to do so that I can spend time at the feet of Jesus. Now, if that's your desire, if that's your prayer, I'm going to ask you to get up from where you are right now and to come down and kneel at the front, tell the Lord that, and say, well, I can do it back here. I know it, but you've already confessed to him that you're not doing it, so why not do it right here? You just get up and come. While the ensemble sings, you come right now and say to the Lord, Lord, Sitting it's yours. At his feet, his feet, sitting at his That is where my life... Thank you for joining us for this series on worship. I pray it's been a blessing to your life. The Word of God has much to say about the subject of worship, and we want to encourage you to join us each week and find out what God is saying to you about how you can learn to worship Him. This has been a blessing to you. Would you write us, please, at the address on your screen? We'd love to hear from you. And know that God has used this message in your life. Until next week, God bless you.